Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges, and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we are studying the Word of God. We're studying the Bible. We are working our way through the Gospel of John. Today, this is episode 88, and we're looking at John chapter 3, verses 31 through 36. John has ended this part of chapter 3, which was dealing with John the Baptist. So in verse 30, that was the, the last we see of John the Baptist in John's Gospel. Now, this final section of chapter 3 is another theological interlude that John provides to, to give the big picture and some of the theology of what's been going on in chapter 3. Jesus has been talking to Nicodemus, and then we had an episode with John the Baptist. Remember, John's purpose here is not to give a diary, not to give a blow-by-blow account of everything that happened is to give the theological implications of what happened. Remember John's summation toward the end. He said, I wrote this so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So let's read the passage, John chapter 3, verses 31 through 36. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, and yet no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. For the one whom God sent speaks God's words, since he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. In both the dealings with Nicodemus and then the episode we just saw with John the Baptist, the the question has come up of being from heaven. As Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he says, if you don't understand earthly things, how are you going to understand heavenly things? And then later he said, who has ascended into heaven except the one who's descended from heaven? The point being, Jesus can speak about these things because he has come from heaven. And then John the Baptist, uh, we saw last time, talked about things being from heaven. The roles we receive are assigned by heaven. That is assigned by God. With the implication being, Jesus' role comes directly from heaven because he comes directly from heaven. And John made clear at the very beginning of his gospel in the prelude that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So make it very clear that Jesus is not just some guy, not just a, a, a guy that, that God's favor was poured out upon, not just a prophet, not just someone who had the message of God. He is God himself, and he has descended from heaven. So verse 31, he says, The one who comes from above is above all. And, of course, he's speaking about Jesus the Christ here. And he contrasts that with the one who is from earth, is earthly, and speaks in earthly terms. Then he repeats essentially what he said before, the one who comes from heaven is above all. So a person from earth may be given a message from God, and often that does happen. John the Baptist was a messenger assigned by God with a message from God for the people to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. The prophets throughout the Old Testament were people assigned by God to take a message from God 
to the people. So there can be people who are given a message from God. And that's not to say their message is not true, is not valid, but what John is dealing with here is the messenger, where Jesus is is not just a, a messenger assigned by God with a message. He himself is God and has come from heaven. So anything he says is authoritative. It's not just that he's been given a message. He is the message. And anything he says is the message. So he's not just a messenger. He speaks with authority. Anything he says is the word of God. Then verse 32, he says, He testifies to what he's seen and heard, and yet no one accepts his testimony. Well, this goes along with what we read in the prologue to John's gospel, where John said he was in the world, but the world did not recognize him, even though he had made the world. And he came to his own, that is, the Jewish people, but they did not receive him. So this idea that Jesus, God in the flesh, has come, but people didn't recognize it, people didn't receive him, people didn't respond to his message. He says, no one accepts his testimony. Well, he's speaking with hyperbole here. How do we know this? Because the next verse says some did accept his testimony. But the point being, the majority of people did not. Here is Jesus speaking the words of God. Here is Jesus authenticating that what he says is true through these miraculous actions. Yet, by and large, people do not believe. People are not receiving his message. So what made the change? Well, later on, the resurrection makes the change. We know he's speaking with hyperbole because of verse 33. He says, the one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. This, again, echoes what we saw in the prologue where John said that those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. So some people did accept his testimony. But the one who accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. So a lot of this goes back to our, our concept of God. Has God spoken? Has God revealed himself? Has God told us how we are to go about knowing him, how we are to go about following him. Well, the good news is, yes, he has. He has revealed himself. He's revealed himself over time through people chosen to carry his message, that is, the prophets. He's revealed himself directly through nature. The Bible tells us you can't look around and say there is no God. He's revealed himself directly to us by uh, general revelation of our, our own conscience and he's revealed himself primarily through Jesus Christ. And along with that comes the message of how do you know God? Well, you know God through the forgiveness of sin. So when we accept the, the testimony of Jesus, we're affirming that all the things God said is true. Then verse 34, for the one whom God sent speaks God's words, since he gives the spirit without measure. God has sent prophets throughout the ages to carry the message of God. The prophets spoke God's words. But there's something different about Jesus. He's not just a prophet. He hasn't just been given a message from God. And the the rabbis used to teach that different prophets had the Spirit of God in, in different amounts. So some prophets had a little bit of the Spirit of God. Other prophets had a lot of the Spirit of God. 
and what John is saying here. He says, since he gives the Spirit without measure. This can be taken in two different ways. You know, who's he? Well, does Jesus give the Spirit without measure to his disciples? Well, true, he does. But I think the context is God is the one who's given the Spirit to Jesus without measure. That is, no limitation. So Jesus is not just one of the prophets who might have a little bit of God's Spirit or might have a great amount of God's Spirit. He has the Spirit without measure, fully has the Spirit of God. And then verse 35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. So this speaking to the authority that Jesus has over everything. And we see that he's the, the agent of creation back in the prologue. Everything was created through him. Nothing that has been created was not created through him. Then in verse 36, which ends this theological interlude, ends chapter 3, ends this little section. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. This is a, an echo from what we saw in John 3:18, the theological interlude following the time with Nicodemus, where John said, anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he's not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This rejects a common notion that many people believe is that the decision's not already made as far as their eternity, that at the end of their life, the, the scales of their life will be weighed and they'll be either positive or negative. The, the, will the good outweigh the bad? And that we're all kind of in a neutral state until the judgment, until the end. But that's not what the Bible says. And it's definitely not what John is saying in his gospel here that we just read in 318. And what we read here, that last phrase, the wrath of God remains on him. So those who do not believe were under the wrath of God. And if they do not believe, they still are under the wrath of God. The wrath of God remains on him. This is an important aspect of the gospel. We are born separated from God. We are born under the wrath of God. We are born under condemnation. That's the state we are already in. And the question is not, what will the final judgment be? Not, how will my life turn out to where the, the scales will be weighed? The question is, will I be rescued from this condemnation? Will I be lifted up out of being under the wrath of God? And we don't like the wrath of God. Nobody likes the idea of the wrath of God. The New Testament speaks of the wrath of God 200 times. It is a, a reality, the wrath of God. And the wrath of God is God's holy response to sin. And by holy, it's H-O-L-Y. God is holy. That is, God is perfect. God has no negatives, no, no problems, um, and so he will not tolerate sin. And his response to sin is judgment. His response to sin is condemnation. We call that the wrath of God. And so that's why we say God's wrath is his holy response to sin. But that's what's so amazing about salvation, forgiveness of sin. The solution to sin is forgiveness. That comes out of God's mercy, 
and God's love. So God's infinite love, God's infinite mercy is the only solution to his holy response to sin, which is his wrath. And we are born under that wrath, born under that condemnation. And the solution is forgiveness. And the way that works comes through faith in Christ. When we believe the gospel, when we believe that Jesus came to be the Savior, that Jesus died on the cross to take the sins upon himself, and we repent of sin, which means we turn from sin, and turn to God. We confess our sin, meaning we agree with God that we are sinners, and ask for forgiveness. Then God sees our faith and forgives us of sin and adopts us as his children and fills us with the Holy Spirit. Then we are reconciled with God and now living in a relationship with God. And now living in a relationship with God, we want to grow in that relationship. And that's why we are studying the Word of God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue to work our way through the Gospel of John.